Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. And a very good morning to you. Hope we find you well. You had a nice weekend. It's John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger right across this week with Cork Today. And our lines are open. 1850-333-103. Bernie taking your comments. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And ahead on the programme very shortly, we'll be uh, looking at what was a fantastic weekend for sport. First of all, yesterday morning and Kelly Harrington and the celebrations that will follow. I mean, what a fantastic achievement and watching her getting so emotional as she had every right to be when uh, the Irish flag and a Ron of Ian was being played over the boxing ring in Tokyo and it follows the rover success we had last week another gold for Ireland and all our Olympians no matter if they got gold or not if they got silver or not or bronze or whatever medal they got whatever they did not pick up in Tokyo they have represented Ireland so so well we're all very proud of them uh, so many here in Cork we gave a mention to a number of them on the show on Friday and across last week and I was in Bandon on Saturday evening and driving by I saw a lot of people on the bridge in Bandon with the Olympic flag and the Irish tricolour and it was of course for the homecoming of Phil Healy who stopped in Bandon on the way home to Banaline and huge celebrations all social distancing but so many people out to meet her in Bandon and then in her native Banaline and Banaline Inneskeen really came out in force to welcome her home with the Olympic flags and Irish flag so a fantastic for Phil and she did so well uh, in Tokyo and um, everybody so proud of her as everybody is for all the Olympians but it was Kelly's day yesterday and I think then from that yesterday morning to the hurling match yesterday afternoon it proved that sport is news and we'll be chatting very shortly with RG reporter Finmar McCarthy as uh, our Cork heads to the All-Ireland and All-Munster affair uh, chatting with Finmar shortly on that also taking place yesterday was a protest at Bantry in the square and this was still no admissions in Bantry General Hospital highlighting that locals who voiced their anger over the last week to us voiced their anger on these streets yesterday and we'll chat with the first responder Jerry Harrington who organised that protest and the news we got from Fianna Fáil Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan on two consultants who will travel from Portugal to Bantry and start there towards the end of this month uh, does that bring uh, some uh, 
light on the situation that at least they look going forward they seem to be uh, solving this but then it should not be in a situation whereby for a number of weeks nearly three weeks now a hospital in Bantry and the geographical area covers is left with no admissions. The fear is that could happen again. Uh, so we'll chat with Jerry on the programme this morning. Also, a shortage of timber is leading to high construction costs and new housing projects are being put on hold. And we always hear we need more housing. Well, and many are blaming the Department of Agriculture due to the red tape and delays regarding the felling licence. Tom Perlin of the Construction Industry Federation joins me on this. And we heard on the show on Friday number of people collecting for those who are finding it tough returning back to school and they're collecting various items uh, to donate to families who are simply struggling with wage cuts and losing their jobs over the last year and the cost of returning to school or college. Well, a number of Cork families that are being now forced to turn to charity and many asking why that is. We'll speak with St. Vincent de Paul this morning on how many people are, are they see coming to them, but also the reasons behind that. As many feel, you know, you should budget for your year. You should be, everybody knows we're Return to school in September, so why aren't families budgeting? Uh, so we'll speak to Sephis and the Paul on that, and also. And staying uh, on the educational theme, our monthly citizens information segments we will discuss uh, in relation to education, but also uh, more so to do with returning to college, going to college for the first time, the costs involved, the grants that you may be able to receive and also renting accommodation. That's ahead on the show as well. And Annalisa Drizel joins us after 12.30 with nutritional advice. If you have any questions for Annalisa, get those into us now. Uh, Bernie, taking your comments and those uh, questions for Annalisa, 1850 or you can text her WhatsApp 86 But after Kelly Harrington and the fantastic display and the fantastic support and the tricolour being raised high in Tokyo on Sunday morning, the sporting achievements continued into Sunday afternoon. We're in Stafford, in Stafford, Tim O'Man is trying to get away. Up the field he runs from Paddy Deegan. Up the left-hand side of the field to Alan Conley. Still no final whistle. Conley underneath the Hogan. Five points to become six. Conley sends it towards the goal, but left and wide. But Fagel Hogan has one look at the watch. Now is the moment. Now is surely the moment. And Cocker in the All-Ireland final. They won by one, Cocky seven. The one, Cocky two. And Commentary from our very own C103's John Cashman on that epic game yesterday. It's the first time for Cork going into an All-Ireland final since 2013 as we meet our neighbours Limerick in two weeks. And C103's GA reporter Finbar McCarthy joins me. Have you recovered from all of that yesterday, Finbar? Just about. The voice <laughs> just returning to normality, but what an occasion and what a victory. And may I echo your sentiments about the Olympians. Congratulations to them all. And on my way home yesterday, I passed through Portland Row, where Kelly Harrington lives, mm. and the, the scenes outside there, absolutely fantastic, uh, an outstanding achievement from Fabulous Lady, and as you said, JP, to all our Olympians. But, uh, we had our own Olympians yesterday in Croke. <laughs> we had indeed, and the team from Bar, they just played so well, uh, they all gelled. I mean, if you look at your own glim man, Pa Horgan, and not singling anybody out, they all teamed very well as a team, but Pa Horgan and Shane Kingston, I mean, when it came to putting points over the bar, they did do, just do that, didn't they? Yeah, and I mean, many people felt that the way we conceded the goal in the last minute of injury time at, at normal time, that the psychology of the game would have swung to Kenny's way. But, but no way, because we were fearing a repeat of 2018 in similar circumstances we drew with Limerick. And we all see what Limerick 
subsequently achieved after that. But no, the, there was a resolve in the squad yesterday and it showed an extra time. Jack O'Connor's goal defensively. We had lost John Melrick, but others, Sean O'Donoghue, Niall O'Leary, Robert Downey, each and every one of them won carrying the whole ass. They all stood up to a man and effectively, I met a guy yesterday from the ERC examiner, Michael Moynan, and he said in a strange kind of way, we actually beat the Kenny twice yesterday because we beat them in normal time, albeit not on the scoreboard. But the, the, a fantastic finish to the match and an outstanding achievement. Brilliant yeah, performance. He's right because at the end of the normal time of the match, I mean, everybody thought when they got that goal, this is it now. You know, We've got so far, yeah. we did so well. Is this where we lose out again for another year? But no, they continued on. And I mean, Finbar, you meet the team regularly when you're doing press conferences and interviews. I mean, I interviewed most of that team uh, at the last GAA Awards in January 2020, uh, just before the whole pandemic started. And they were in the Rochester Park Hotel for our live outside broadcast we spoke to them all and the one thing that came across for me interviewing them in a live situation with people around them everybody looking it was that they came across very grounded yeah you're, you're spot on JP there they're a fabulous bunch of lads I actually ended up in the dressing room after the match yesterday I had done my piece with Jeremy O'Sullivan and I was walking past and a very good friend of mine my work colleague here Pat Keane is a member of the background team and I didn't look for him to have a quick chat and I had to venture into the dressing room I met my own club mate Robert Downey and I just said well done lads and a massive cheer no inhibitions no nothing solid bunch of guys I mean we had a couple of awards there recently for Shane Barrett and Alan Conley very grounded very solid individuals and that shone in the field yesterday they didn't panic when it looked as if the game was going to go swinkle Kenny's way but an outstanding group of individuals and a fabulous background team as well Kieran Kingston is one of the nicest guys you could meet. Anytime I've asked him for an interview, he's always made himself available. Sometimes out of office, as the fellow would say, but very, very cooperative. Fantastic performance. Yeah, and we have to think of the team behind them. They're also putting in a lot of hours, so well done to them. Delighted also for Jeremy uh, uh, O'Sullivan, The Rock, of course, who's been involved yeah. and well-known in GA for a long time, as is, is Kieran and others there in the background. But when it comes to the final, Fimber, we saw how strong Limerick are, not only at the weekend, but uh, along the way. Uh, I mean, Cork, Limerick will win as favourites, which could be a good thing for Cork, but how do you think today will go looking at both teams? I mean, it will be a very fast-paced game. Well, Prior to the match yesterday, I was inside having a cup of tea and I met several of the journalists who were at the game on Saturday night. I saw the first game, but because of C103 duty Saturday night, I was in Parky Kiev. I didn't see the second half. And to a man, every journalist was saying, whoever wins today are only cannon fodder for Limerick. And at halftime, I met Nick English, and there was a point in it, and he said the same. It doesn't matter. He said, no, we'll beat this Limerick team. No, I don't buy into that. Okay, Limerick are favourites, and they will be favourites, and deservedly so. But Conkin and All-Ireland fine, OK, we haven't won it in a while. They're a different animal, and the manner in which we won yesterday's match will certainly stand to them. Had we won by a point or two in, in normal time, you know, Limerick would still be favourites. But I think the character the team showed yesterday will definitely stand to them. Don't get me wrong, we're going to have to play way better than we did yesterday to win the match. But it's an All-Ireland final, it's a once-off, and certainly this team, as you just said, the JP are very, very grounded on and off the field. And while Limerick are favourites, do not rule out Cork win. Well, Kieran Kingston has brought the team to an All-Ireland and many were asking if he would do that. He has achieved that. So, Fimber, the date of the All-Ireland, when is it set and any news on capacity? Well, the the date is Sunday the 22nd of August at 3.30. And I think the capacity at the moment is set for 40,000. Um, could I just make one point, JP? Mm-hmm. There's 24,000 people there yesterday and the majority of them were Cork. I know it's a bigger point in Kilkenny and Kilkenny are great supporters and great people. 
but it was very evident just the the, the GA flashed up the Olympian the, the medal winners and when the two Cork lads Fenton McCarthy and Paula Donovan popped up on the screen you'd know you'd know there was a huge Cork crew there yesterday and that was evident in the game but a couple of weeks ago the Taoiseach Mihal Martin was asked what the capacity for the final for the games going forward would be and he said he was asked would it increase and jokingly he said well if Cork get through it certainly will so if you're listening to Mihal, and I know he does this to C103 he's a good friend of the radio station no, I think it's set at 40,000 whether that's be increased or not I don't know well, we'll have to wait and see what they decide if it will remain at 40,000 or increase because the big thing from Barry is tickets and tickets are hard enough before COVID ever came to get for an All-Ireland ah. final so it's going to be worse now with less capacity. Oh, Jamie, Max, JP, I was coming up and I was here and was ping, ping, <laughs> ping and obviously I could look at it and again this morning two will do for me, any amount will do. Look, it's a great problem to have and at the end of the day we'll get over it and we'll work our way through it. But it is, and it is going, it, it's difficult enough when there's a capacity of 82,000 cut that in half and it becomes even more difficult but look people understand you, if you get a ticket you get a ticket if you don't it's, it's not because we did, we couldn't give you tickets we don't have them but look we'll we get to it and we'll get there and it'll be all worked at the end hopefully did I just mention JP I know yeah. you're busy Minor Harlem finals tonight in Torless and half a seven Cork and Limerick we'll have reports with Eric Griffin next Wednesday night Munster Minor football final against Limerick Sorry, we're playing Waterford tonight in Torres at half seven in the minor hurling final and Limerick on Wednesday night back in Torres at half seven in the Munster minor football final and let's keep this run going during the week now. Totally, yeah, indeed. And they'll updates on those games here at C103 and live commentary yeah. of that Alarm final also here on the 22nd of August on C103. And just a few comments in before we let you go. First of all, Liam and Brough is asking, well, if we have two Munster teams in the All-Ireland, why can't we play it in simple, in simple stadium? Uh, why do we have to go to Dublin for everything? Well, I think the answer there would be Crow Park. I mean, I think the players themselves would like to be in Crow Park for an All-Ireland Barham, final yeah. day. And the fact that it's, it's the, the given that the capacity hopefully will be higher than that, maybe not. And, and yeah, also, and if it was in, in Torres JP, you wouldn't have forty thousand because no. it's based on the, it's based on the seating capacity. And you're you're right. No one, the, the only the only one, the, the only time in my living memory, the All Ireland Fine was taken out of Crow Park was to celebrate the centenary year in Torres. All Ireland Fine, irrespective of who is in them, should be in Crow Park and will be in Crow Park. And this text, no name on this, but they say, Hi, John Paul, just one word on the hurling. Great win by Cork, but the booing by the Cork fans when Kikini were taking freeze was not nice. Now, I didn't hear that um, on any kind yeah. of commentary, but you do know yourself, Finbar, when you're at a match and any team you're is playing is taking a free, there is a, a kind of an uproar from the opposition crowd. Now, it's usually not booing. Was that what it was? or there was a very, very small element, element at it when TJ Reid was taking a couple of frees. It's not in Cork DNA to do it, and I hope those people won't repeat it. it, it it's not nice to sound. It was a very, very tiny minority, I would suggest. But you see, when the cold was, wasn't this big capacity, it was probably easier to hear us. But it, it, it was not nice, and I was kind of saying to myself, that's not us. Hmm. So if those guys are listening, don't do it again. It's not so. Booing. It was booing, but but it should not have happened. Slight, slight booing, slight booing. That's, yeah. that's unfortunate. But hopefully they'll they'll learn the lesson and they won't do it because, as you say, at the end of the day, it's a sport and people no nobody uh, wants that kind of carry on in any game because it, uh, it is a sport and we're there to encourage both teams. So for the moment, Fimber, uh, a big build up now for two weeks time. Well, it'll be a somewhat different build up, Jeffy, because of um, mm-hmm. COVID restrictions. Of I mean, I believe there's a press night Thursday night. There probably no post match bankers in previous years. You, the winning team won't get to take the cup home. Will they be a homecoming? But look, at the end of the day, 
it's all about the, the 70 minutes on the field and 22nd of August and you know we look forward to it but could I just say before I sign off yep. to, to all my colleagues in C103 we've done four live games this weekend we've done the junior hurling final we've done the junior football final the intermediate hurling final in Copa we had a couple of new voices but we had one familiar voice back hmm. and that was Mr Palmer on last Saturday afternoon and how great it was to hear him and I know I put up a tweet wishing him well and the reaction to Paulie's return was absolutely fantastic and it was great to hear him and hopefully we'll hear a lot more of him in the coming weeks. It was indeed fantastic to hear him back and as a lot of people were saying he hadn't changed a bit he still has the same no, wish and, and adding every little extra right. information in. And as Michael Scannon said he's still making the same mistakes which <laughs> <I have. laughs> And that has to be done too for live radio. Yeah, we we all indeed. have to do that. Exactly. We all do. <laughs> it shows we're human. I've made enough myself. <laughs> <laughs> we all do it, believe me. Uh, Finbar, yeah, great to hear Paddy back. I mean, I would have been meeting Paddy over the last year with the West Coast yeah. Sport Awards but obviously there was a year where he wasn't involved and it's just yeah. fantastic to have him back. So we wish him the best of health going forward uh, to our own Paddy Palmer. And Finbar, we'll chat to you over the next two weeks uh, as we, we look to the final. Take care. Take care. Thanks Thank for you. the call. Take care. That's Bye. our own there, uh, GA reporter Finbar McCarthy, uh, Cork now through to that All Ireland final, the first since 2013 as we meet neighbours Limerick and you'll hear a lot more about that over the next uh, number of weeks next two weeks anyway and uh, just something that we'd like your views on this morning this is news coming out earlier this morning and late last night it's from the Department of Education and they say that teachers will not have to be vaccinated when schools reopen at the end of this month. It's also been confirmed they will not have to divulge their vaccine status to be allowed back into the classrooms. The president of the Association of Secondary Teachers says it's the right of any person to refuse a vaccination. But then there's a professor who has come out. He's saying in a pandemic, teachers do not have the absolute right to privacy. This is Professor for Health Systems at DCU, Anthony Staines, who says it's not a reasonable to seek vaccine status while cases are high. So with children going back to school, are you worried if the teacher of your child is vaccinated or not? Or do you care? What's your view? Also, teachers listening, uh, what do you think of this? What's your view? We'd love to know what teachers who are tuned to us uh, make of all of this. 1850 or and you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Your view on vaccination or not vaccinated teachers returning to the classroom, considering so many large American companies who are based in Ireland have said employees coming back must be vaccinated. So uh, what's your view when it comes to teachers or, or those teaching in schools whereby it comes to a staff room situation? And you have some vaccinations and some not vaccinations. Your views are welcome on that. 1850 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. A lot of emails, texts and calls across the weekend still regarding no admissions to Bantry General Hospital. Many saying they went along yesterday to protest to show the government firsthand why they need a hospital like this in uh, Bantry and indeed uh, the geographical area it serves. Well, the organiser of that is First Responder Jerry Harrington who joins me. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, John Paul. And within the guidelines, there was a good turnout. I mean, I saw videos from the protests yesterday, huge numbers turning out from Bantry and people from all over. So you were happy with the turnout. The solutions were outlined here by Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan on Friday's show. What's the feeling now since the protest? No change, John Paul. Continuing shot. Um, silence is deafening. We're being told XYZ is going to happen. That's weeks down the line. I'm not willing to stand for that. Um, this will continue and will continue very urgently. Like, we, I've been overwhelmed by the, the support of people 
And I want to acknowledge all our public representatives from Cork and Kerry that did attend yesterday, from councillors to TDs to whoever else was in the crowd, doctors, retired doctors that I may have worked with in the past. Like, it was overwhelming. And I suppose I got Dr. Paul O'Sullivan spoke at the very beginning, and I suppose the song called Heart Facts of Life, he put it very bluntly. And my God, it was stark. It was absolutely frightening, John Paul. It was, and a lot of what was said, I, I watched the videos, it was similar to what was said on our show last week from Dr. Paul and others in that situation. And even though Deputy O'Sullivan, Fianna Fáil Deputy, did say on our show last Friday that there was going to be two consultants uh, coming from Portugal to Bantry at the end of the month and then more being employed from September. What was the reaction to that? Because I know you do, don't want a situation like this happening again, but to those statements, uh, were people hopeful that this would happen? They're hopeful, but there's been so many false promises. And to be fair to Deputy O'Sullivan, he has got that information from government. And I absolutely, it's 100% what he was saying was what he got. But, like, that's down the line, you know. It's like, you know, we're just being passed down and hoping that we'll go away. I can guarantee you from the response I got yesterday, I'm not going away and this is not going to end uh, that we'll have another march maybe to Dublin in two or three weeks' time. To highlight, to keep this agenda up there because the fear is, and we've seen this before, Jerry. you'll be well aware that we've been promised X, Y, Z for Bantry, uh, but then you you get the promises, but then in about two years' time, something else like this happens and then you have a gap in service again and another area of the hospital closes. You do not want that to happen again. And the ambulance service now are under huge pressure. They were already, now extra pressure. Uh, How did things go this weekend for the ambulance service? Well, while we were there, um, there was an ambulance went through and just halfway through around the square, the sirens went off and obviously they were after being responded to an emergency call and the ambulance was from Castellon Bear. So just think for one split second, if that crew were called to Elihis from that call which sirens went off, well, you know, what time frame would the person in Allahees have been waiting for if that ambulance had to go back to its base in Castellon Bear and then on to Allahees, you know, and then turn around and then head for CUH. You know, like, the one thing that I got from yesterday, like, the ambulance service is in turmoil before this happened, but people speaking out and people gave me their personal stories, which they were shocking. And Dr. Paul had, and we had a couple of speakers who had personal stories. One lady spoke... And she was above in CUH with her child who were injured and she was waiting 14, 15 hours or something. And one of the consultants said, this is wait, this is a direct pressure uh, uh, um, system of Bantry Hospital closing down. It was directly linked by consultants in CUH, like I said. And what then is happening, John Paul, people are afraid to speak out because they're living in a shadow of fear um, from the HC. And what I mean by that to be fair, they're afraid if they'll speak out because they've got a sick family member and they'll need an ambulance again. They won't share their story publicly. We need stories publicly. I need them and I need people to come forward and speak out. Now, yeah. the HSE, and I can stand over this to be fair, if you ring for an ambulance, regardless whether you have a complaint lodged or not, they will respond absolutely 100% there. I know that not, but these people are living in fear because they may be a very sick family member on a regular basis, maybe requiring hospital admission or whatever, you know. 
You're right and we get that here all the time from people who are afraid to go public because of that fear that if we, if they know or hear our voice then that person could be implicated by a lack of service which would not happen but that, that, that's the fear and then that's why we yeah. end up maybe in situations like this. The same for those working within the HSC who are telling us exactly what's happening with the ambulance service but they say that we, they can't give names, they can't go to air because their jobs could be on the line if they I, go public on what's happening. So, And you can to see add- totally why, why that would happen. I went ahead to that yesterday. Now, obviously, somebody in management in the hospital um, told the staff there that if they were asked any questions, their response was no comment. The ambulance service are in the same boat. So the, the, the people that are in the firing line and that are suffering, the frontline people, um, are being silenced by management. It's a kind of like, you know, there was something came up yesterday morning there, and you know my dad and myself went to Belfast a number of years ago to save his sight. Mm-hmm. Um, bus number 69 left yesterday morning. And I suppose one thing that st- struck me, Michal Martin literally started laughing and mocking Michael Healy, Ray and Dahl Airden over that uh, a period of time back. Now, from that seed, there, a very large tree has grown with 69 buses plus multiple people. I had a lady onto me yesterday um, who needs to go to Belfast for treatment urgently, like I said. And like I said, that's what our cataract surgery not being uh, done down here. Uh, we've been left to d- devices for those buses to be arranged by our council uh, TDs um, to go up there and by people to go up to Belfast for which should be a very straightforward treatment down yeah, here. Yeah, and it's a service that could be provided within Bantry as the, the yeah. uh, well, they're not sure if the equipment's there, but the surgery unit is there anyhow and yeah. it could be turned yeah, around to, to to host that and bring people from all over the region there. Just stay there, Jerry, because last Friday we heard from uh, Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan, Independent Deputy for Cork Southwest, Michael Collins, uh, rejoins us on this. Good morning to you, Michael. Come on, jump out. Everybody politically was there, even from Kerry with the Healy Rays turning up as well. Uh, despite the controversy they were facing, they, they, they still faced the crowd yesterday. On this, any update? I mean, we've heard from Christopher O'Sullivan, who has said those from Portugal are going to join Bantry at the end of August. And in September, things should be uh, back to some normality within the hospital to reopen admissions. Like, Jerry, are you fearful if that even happens? We could be a few months down the line looking at something else being closed. Yeah. Listen, it's only firefighting. It's like, you know, like just firefighting, trying to keep people happy and keep us keep us quiet in West Cork and Kerry. Um, yeah, and, like my, I and said, I just want to put that to Michael Collins there, who's yeah. on the line, Michael. Uh, well, your view on that question. Yeah, well, um, uh, John Paul, 15 days ago, admissions to Bantry General Hospital uh, was closed to the public, basically. I met uh, with management 14 days ago, and this is what they told me, that they, we would be getting consultants at the end of the month, you know, towards the beginning of September. Nothing has changed since I met them. Uh, in spite of all different types of statements, t- thanks to jury and all the organisers, the mighty turnout of people, um, uh, even even at a very difficult situation, because there was a rumour went out and started, it was all started. This issue is not sorted by no manner of means, and, and a thousand people uh, sent a very clear message yesterday to the government that they basically to reopen the, the admission doors in Bantry General Hospital. And I'll just give you, and I heard Dr. Paul O'Sullivan and others speak yesterday, but Dr. Paul, the most, I suppose, the strongest voice that was on that speech yesterday, because he can come from the, from the, from the patient's point of view and the public point of view out there that feed into Bantry General Hospital and the excellent hospital is with the staff and everything. But the one thing I saw myself, and you had seen is believing, um, and 
two two incidences happened in West Cork last Thursday and last Friday, John Paul. Uh, on Thursday, there was uh, a person struck on the street in Castletown Bear. There was no ambulance to be got in, 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 in Cork because obviously our ambulance service are stretched. They're pushed up into the UAE with uh, patients from other issues in, in Cork. And the gentleman was three and a half hours lying there waiting for an ambulance. And on Skull on Friday night, and I thought myself, I was astonished to see what I saw. A very, what it looked to me was a serious car accident because I passed it. Uh, a quarter around a quarter past 11. The three occupants of the car went in fairness to the ambulance service and in fairness to the Gardaí. They had to do their duty. They were uh, asked to lie on the on the roadside when they were taken on the car. There was no ambulance in, in, in Park County. They had to go to Killarney for an ambulance. There was two and a half hours lying on the ground, thanks to the neighbours for bringing blankets and sheets to, to cover the gentleman. Now, I will say one thing. That their lives doesn't look like they were in danger, but God forbid if there was an internal bleed or anything, them three people would have been dead on the roadside. And that's the shocking situation West Cork finds itself in. And it's no, we, I'm not listening to anybody telling me this is resolved. Um, HSE are trying at, at, at links to try and shut me up and others that this is going to be resolved at the end of the month. The end of the month is, we can't wait. It's 15 days too many. There's lies being lost. We'll never be told about them because they'll cover up the stats and they'll brush them under the mat. But I know what's going on. And I can see what's going on in the ground. And uh, it's, 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 it's appalling. And I, you know, I'd like to thank all the, the politicians who turned out there yesterday. Was, there was, you know, uh, you know, especially from uh, Kerry, because they're worried about South Kerry also, and, and Lark and, and Kinmare. But we're worried about Lark and Kinmare. We're also worried about the whole of Wisconsin. And it's wide open at this present time. And, and, and the messages that were sent yesterday from the, club, the public that were there were clear, were very clear. We opened the doors immediately, not till the end of August, not pushing under the camera to kick the can down the road to now. And again, no one seems to be getting the fact of the geographical location, the area that that Bantry covers. Uh, finally, Jury, you mentioned there, if this isn't resolved and if it's going to take another month to resolve this, you're, you're thinking of planning more protests this time heading to Dáil Éireann, I presume, is it? Okay, John Paul, I suppose, look, very simply, your family member is personal to you, so is mine to me. If they're sick, it becomes personal to you. If they can't receive medical treatment, it becomes personal. This has gone personal, right? Now, like I said, if Michal Martin's family member got sick right now, he would expect and try and get and receive the best treatment as quickly as possible. We do not have that option in Bantry. So what I'm actually pleading out there, right, now, we've been told they can't get consultants. I am putting a plea over the airwaves, and if it can be run in any radio station in Ireland, are there any doctors out there listening to me that are willing to come to Bantry, MAU, with the right qualifications, ring me, ring you, or if there's any doctor retired that know a doctor that's willing to come to Bantry immediately, or if there's you know people that have family members maybe in the UK with a doctor with the proper qualifications to work in MAU, please ring us. Because they seem to ca- they can seem to do it, and the other thing, you have a brilliant employment slot p- uh, every week- day. Can we put it up on the employment slot that there's positions available? Because they can seem to get them in in whatever magical you know that they're just trying to fool us. Like the one thing, if people are willing to ring with doctors or whatever, there has to be doctors in Ireland that m- are willing to come to get us and try and save lives. A doctor takes a note when they're, you know, that they'll try and do their very best for the person they're working on. And they do do. And they're doing it in Bantry Hospital for the last number of years.
you know. Yeah, and, and with people now looking to, you know, locate outside the major cities and to more rural areas, you would think now it would be easier to find people to work in hospitals like Bantry. For the moment, I, yeah. I have to leave it there, Jerry. We'll stay in touch and let and us know what happens over John the next Paul number of Luke, weeks. In the, within the next 24 hours or so, I will be announcing something else because it has become personal to mm. me, the people of Bantry and Kerry and Cork, whatever, and it will, it will, I'm not going to lay down and it's not going to be running for weeks. This thing will, I will announce something else tomorrow. If I don't get okay. a response from Christopher O'Sullivan, I've emailed him this morning as well. If I don't get a response today from the government, I will be taking this thing further. Well, let us Thank know tomorrow, Jerry, uh, what you do plan and what the, the plan yeah. is ahead for the next week regarding this. Uh, for the moment, thanks to both of you for joining us. That is Independent Deputy for Cork South West, Michael Collins, and also the first responder who organised the protest yesterday in Bantry, Jerry Harrington, with still no admissions to Bantry General Hospital. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 The housing crisis could be made worse as construction costs increase due to the shortage of timber. Tom Pardon is Director of the Construction Industry Federation and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Tom. Morning, John Paul. Uh, we have an alarming shortage of timber, Tom, and I want to know, does this go back to the felling licence issue? Because we keep hearing from people who simply say we cannot cut down trees because we can't get a licence. Yeah, like there is a quite a global uh, scarcity of products. You know, there's a the whole supply chain has been affected by globally by uh, COVID, but in our case by Brexit. Uh, uh, but on top of that, we have our own problem with the lack of licenses. Um, we have very, very substantial crops of mature timber uh, growing around the country. Uh, timber was never as expensive. And uh, this fiasco that the Department of Agriculture and Forestry haven't been able to issue the licenses means that, number one, there's a scarcity on the market, and it's, it is actually impacting on house building. And number two, the people that have invested in growing that timber aren't able to realise a good price for their product now when, when they should be able to get the opportunity. And regarding the felling licence, many are saying there's a lot of red tape involved in this and we have the government then coming out about supplying more houses. Would it not be better if both departments spoke to each other on this issue? Would that not speed things up if the Department of Agriculture and Housing spoke rather than us, which seems to be at the moment importing huge amounts of timber, which is quite expensive? Yeah, it's just incredible that we have this national uh, as it's called it, a fiasco. Uh, one of our biggest uh, sawmill outfits and timber outfits, Glennon Brothers, are importing a shipload of timber every week, every six days, to keep their uh, domestic sawmills going here. Uh, I was out on a site with them and with one of our own companies, Gem, where they're building 1,100 houses, and uh, most house building now is done with timber frame kits. So the timber frame company come out and they erect the, um, the skeleton of the house, I suppose, and then the, with timber... And then they build a block, uh, a block or brick wall around it, and it, those kits now are becoming very difficult to get unless you've had your order in and a long-standing order. You can't order any new kits, um, so it, it's madness. Uh, we seem to be the only country in Europe that has insisted on an ecological report and the issuing of a license before you can either plant uh, forestry. Uh, make roadways through forestry that are essential for getting timber out of the forestry or fell uh, the forestry. Uh, the rest of Europe uh, has a different system uh, that is easily administered. And um, despite this being at the headlines and being brought to the attention of the Taoiseach, uh, the rest of government and uh, the Minister for Agriculture and the Minister Pippa Hackett, who was responsibility for forestry, there's still very little progress. 
some small few ecologists uh, extra were hired and uh, there are some small uh, increase in the issuing of licenses but there is a massive backlog years of a backlog and I think the only way that they can get over this now is to give some sort of an amnesty in between that they will allow uh, you know the supply and demand to catch up uh, with the administration and uh, then Im- uh, impose a system that they're able to manage. And what we mentioned there about housing supply, this is also affecting those who are building one-off housing, Tom. Some people have been on to us to say that, you know, they started a housing project before the whole pandemic started in the start of 2020. Everything was in holding for a year. They go back to it now and their costs have doubled or tripled. Uh, so not only for the, the massive housing supply we need in public housing or even private housing when it comes to estates, those building on their own land, for example, are now in a, a catch-22 situation because they, they have the planning permission. They are starting to build but now they can't get the materials or the cost has increased yeah no there's no doubt about that and like you can understand like steel is a global commodity and it's been badly affected uh, it's scarce it's hard to get it and it has uh, uh, doubled in price I'd say generally uh, but timber uh, is an indigenous product uh, we've had a very very solid uh, planting regime here we have well managed forestries and this affects quilcha the same as it affects a private forestry owner. Quilch, you can't get the licenses either. Uh, but it's probably even long-term, and in terms of our climate change strategy, uh, we have a target of planting 8,000 hectares of forestry each year, and uh, we've scarcely done a quarter of that for the last uh, uh, two years. And this is where, you know, uh, the new common agricultural policy is on about climate change and about sort of meeting targets there. This is just madness. It's Kildare Street just shooting itself in the foot and leaving uh, both builders, uh, people who want to build homes and forestry owners in the lurch. Yeah, it seems so. And it's amazing that they say one thing about we need to do X, Y and Z for housing projects. But then, and, and, and indeed with climate change, and then on the other hand, you have this situation whereby nothing can move ahead. We'll have to wait and see. Is there any timeline? Are they going to speak to you guys in the Federation about about this regarding well, flying licence? You know, last week, uh, the CIF, together with the Hardware Association and with Forestry Industry Ireland, uh, and I know IFA have been running a very strong cam- campaign on this. So it's been brought to the foremost of their agenda. Uh, it is a, a, a an administrative issue. Uh, but so far, like, there just seems to be a disconnect. Uh, Minister Hackett uh, in government uh, and uh, Minister McConnell don't seem to have just got, got the message yet and, and, and nothing is happening. Okay, we'll wait and see what happens over the next number of weeks. Hopefully they can sort this because it is having a huge effect for many people. For the moment, Tom, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. That is Tom Parlin, who's Director of the Construction Federation uh, here in Ireland. Uh, we'll go to a lot of your calls and comments in on the Department of Education uh, who say teachers will not have to be vaccinated when schools reopen at the end of this month. Uh, they won't have to divulge their vaccine status either uh, to be allowed back into the classrooms. So mixed views on this. Your views are welcome. A lot of calls and comments in regarding various issues we've been discussing across the morning. First of all, let's go back to the great news we had at the start of the show and that was to do with sport and of course we had Kelly Harrington and also the Cork GAA hurling team representing us so well yesterday and we had Kelly with the gold and all our Olympians as I mentioned at the start of the show representing us so well regardless if they brought home a medal or not. We should be very proud of all our Olympians right across the country and all of those here in Cork who represented us in Tokyo and also the hurlers of course who are, we are now true as we mentioned with Finbar to that All-Ireland final uh, Michael is in Castletambert on WhatsApp he says the country is emotionally spent and the nerves are shattered what a performance what a role model uh, is uh, Kelly Harrington now the Olympic gold medal champion 
She's an inspiration. Uh, so she is. John Paul, there will be kids watching her whose lives will change in a positive way because of her and who she is. Uh, don't forget, Carly Harrington worked on the front line during the pandemic. She worked in catering and as a cleaner in St. Vincent's Hospital. She did the nation proud to finish off what was a Sunday, not to forget, an outstanding performance of hurling at its best between Cork and Kilkenny. It was just heart-stopping. Hurling as it should be. Congratulations to the Victoria Victorious Cork team, well deserved, says Michael in Casa Tambear on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And staying on that, hi JP, big congrats to the Cork team yesterday on that win. It was a thriller from start to finish, the most free flowing game I've ever seen in a long time. Patrick Horgan is the backbone of that team for the last few years. Corkaboo says that texter. While Jim says, a great win for the Cork team yesterday, and I thought it was going to be like 2018 All Ireland semi final against Limerick all over again and lose in extra time and especially with the Cork uh, playing uh, three weekends in a row uh, that fatigue would tell but Kilkenny were fresher but Cork finished stronger and now uh, will try for revenge for 2018 against the noisy neighbours in Limerick says Jim on text to 0862103103 and I mentioned earlier that the Department of Education and they have said teachers will not have to be vaccinated when schools reopen at the end of this month. It's also being confirmed they will not have to divulge their vaccine status to be allowed back into the classrooms. The president of the Association of Secondary Teachers says it is the right of any person to refuse a vaccination. Uh, but then as a professor has come out and he says in a pandemic, teachers do not have the absolute right to privacy. This is Professor of Health Systems at DCU, Anthony Staines. He says it's not unreasonable to ask vaccine status while cases are so high. And we were wondering with children going back to school if people are worried uh, if their teacher of your child is vaccinated or not or do people even care? And also teachers' views on this. We'd love teachers that are listening your view on returning to the classroom. Should you think that you uh, have to give or not give uh, your vaccination status in this pandemic or uh, do you feel it's no one's business that we shouldn't even be discussing this and the Department of Education should not be coming out with this sort of stuff? Your views are welcome or do you mind then uh, sharing a staff room with people who are not vaccinated your views are welcome 1850 text or whatsapp 0862103103 some views in on this uh, person here no name on whatsapp but says does any other employment ask for proof of vaccination well a number of them have done uh, over the last uh, few months and I did mention that earlier in the show mainly American companies who are operating here in Ireland but Google says it will require employees who return to the company's offices to be vaccinated against the coronavirus so that is one company uh, that are doing that and Eileen says Hi John Paul the teachers are more are the more vulnerable uh, vaccinated uh, or not than the children uh, can schools ask parents and older brothers and sisters are they vaccinated? No I think Think not. People only stirring for the sake of it. The children were kept safe prior to vaccination, so the same applies here. Get over it, says Eileen on text to 0862103103. While Jay says, JP, it's ridiculous. If those same teachers are going out for a meal, they'll have to show that they are vaccinated. So what's all the secrecy about, says Jay. And another texter here says, Hi, are these teachers going to be selfish by not taking a vaccine? Do people not want COVID to go away? 
everyone working should be vaccinated, says that person on text. While Nancy in Bantry says all the teachers need to be vaccinated. They are, after all, protecting the children they are teaching, says Nancy in Bantry. Uh, your views on that? Welcome, 1850-333-103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And regarding our conversation on Bantry Hospital and the protest that was held yesterday in Bantry, huge numbers turning out to that protest. Mike Inskibarine wants to know, uh, well, we know Michal Martin did not attend uh, that uh, protest yesterday. Mike is asking that question. Mike making the point that they were all very quick to come to Skibbereen for the Rovers homecoming and to get their picture took, but not yesterday at the protest in Bantry. Uh, while Nancy says about six years ago, she needed treatment, so she went to CUH. The consultant said he would be going to Bantry one day a month. So he treated her in Bantry and also countless other people. If there was a consultant brought down to Bantry one day a month to do cataract operations, just imagine how many people they could treat. It is a very quick operation after all, says Nancy on 1850-333-103. Some of your calls and comments on the various issues we've been discussing on the show this morning still to come. We will be looking at how families who are returning to school are now spending their back-to-school allowances and other expenses. We'll chat with St. Vincent de Paul very shortly and staying on the education theme, if you are returning to college and you want to know what grants may be available for you and what to look out for when you were going off to look at accommodation to rent our monthly slot with citizens information is on the way before midday and we'll discuss those issues and your questions are welcome if you have one to text or WhatsApp 0862103103 C103 Jobs and on today's job spot, we have opportunities for Glennon Brothers in Formoy. They require production operators and maintenance fishers. Send your CV to tomshiel at glennonbrother.ie. Ready mix drivers are wanted for a Tipperary town. Contact Tom on 086-397-9394. And staff are wanted part-time for a curtain shop department to fit blinds, curtains and more. Contact Sheila on 026 579. These details and more, they're online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. We heard from Joseph Byrne, who owns Hair Saloon on the Glashing Road on Friday's show, and he was collecting back-to-school items for those who were in need of same, as a number of Cork families are now turning to various charities for help. Well, Paddy O'Flynn is Regional President of St. Vincent de Paul, and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Paddy. Hey, good morning. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. I mean, are you seeing an increase this year compared to other years for families looking for help on their return to school? Yes, we are. It's particularly noticeable in the last week or 10 days. Um, we've uh, probably difficult to measure at the moment, 15, 20% increase in families looking for back-to-school help. Um, it's not just back-to-school, but it's reflected in back-to-school requests for help with clothing, uniforms, footwear, and so on. Um, it appears to us that there's a lot of other stuff as well. There seems to be a kind of what you might call a perfect storm blowing up. Um, back to school is always requ- requested uh, for help this time of the year. But in addition to that, now we've had an increase there in June of 
5 to 10% increase in energy costs, which is gas and electricity. We, have, we are seeing the gradual phasing out of the PUP. And on top of that, we had these utility companies, you know, had a moratorium on disconnection for all of last year. That's discontinued. So they are now threatening letters coming out and threatening disconnection. And the difficulty is that some of them, normally the recourse here is um, in the installation of, of um, pay-as-you-go meters. Uh, but the backlog, there's a backlog in some of these companies now of up to nine months to install those things. So it's, the whole thing is coming together, and we are seeing a huge increase in the demand for our help and services. Um, beginning in middle of July and continuing now um, as we speak, you know. And the allowances that people receive, such as the back-to-school allowance that we hear of, is it so that people are already have spent that on items like school bills and then also on household bills? Well, you see, the back, to, the, back the, fo- the footwear and clothing allowances are usually paid out automatically to families in mid to late July. And these families then were looking at these unpaid bills, because unfortunately some of these families are not as good at budgeting as perhaps you are, and they're, they're, meeting, they're meeting some of those other bills with the footwear and clothing allowance, and now they're coming to us. And um, on top of that as well, I forgot to mention that there is the, um, there is the voluntary, voluntary contributions that schools are demanding, which aren't, well, are supposed to be voluntary, but... Um, all of that is adding up to quite a storm of um, this year, which we haven't quite witnessed before, you know. Yeah, and you mentioned there about budgeting. That is one thing that has come in from some listeners saying, you know, we all know when school returns, so why are not families budgeting for this? But then we are hearing from people who never have approached a charity before, never have gone looking for help. And they say, you know, they had good jobs before the pandemic started. They lost their jobs or like some companies, they suffered massive wage cuts. And now they find themselves in this situation. And I think you hit the nail of the the head there, uh, Paddy. The companies who were giving allowances, not letting you, pay electricity or gas for the last year now you have to pay the bill and now people are realising the shortfall in income Yeah well I was in the office there last Friday and I saw some people who were looking for help urgently because I saw one person who had run up a bill of thousand uh, euro for electricity and somebody else believe it or not with a bill for 1900 unpaid now it's difficult for us to cope with that but we do our best what we do, I'd just like to tell you, I mean, up to now in this conversation, we are talking about the difficulties, but I could also tell you that St. Vincent de Paul does come to the rescue of people, and so you might like to know what we do. Mm-hmm. Of course, we give vouchers. We give vouchers, and for clothing and footwear, we give vouchers to those shops that are allocated or specified to, as, as the suppliers for these schools uh, of the particular branded of clothes and everything else. So for the uniform, for a school the uniform, uniform, they have to go to a certain we, shop. We give vouchers for those. We give food vouchers all the time to help alleviate, you know. Um, and in some cases where schools become quite demanding on the voluntary contributions, we do intervene with some schools on behalf of parents who just don't have the wherewithal. So one way or another, we do come to the rescue of lots of people, but quite often... Some of the some of the demands are a little beyond our, our, our capability, you know, for redress. But 
we we do uh, do everything we, we do everything we can, you know. In addition to that, of course, at a national level, we're now advocating that this um, that this moratorium uh, on disconnection be reviewed at a national level uh, by our social justice department in Dublin. So, look, we work locally and we work nationally to try to help the problem. This is not a local problem; it is a local problem, but it's it's also reflected nationally. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's something that, even though it does come around every year, it seems to be, as you mentioned, uh, higher rates of it this year. I mean, when you mentioned there about the school uniforms and you giving vouchers for certain shops, a lot of people will say, couldn't the school not come up with a situation, Paddy, whereby those parents could buy a jumper from any shop and then the crest can be put on that jumper? I mean, that conversation has been had before, but it never actually, there's no uptake in that. No, look, in fairness, some schools are very good. Some schools do actually have a, a shop where they exchange uh, used uniforms, used clothing, used jumpers with the crest. And uh, some schools do take a uh, do take a, a great involvement in helping parents. But generally speaking, there is no relief from the need to have the colours and the uniforms, and uh, that's a, that's a major issue. And uh, it's hard to blame the schools because, in many ways. Uh, if kids went to school with what they like to wear, that would be a bigger free-for-all and a bigger problem. So we, we support the general view that children should have the uniforms, but we do everything we can to advocate that the cost is, is limited, you know. Yeah, true. And I, I can get the point of where, you know, if you don't have a uniform, people will wear whatever they want to. But maybe if there were some allowances made for, for having, you know, a, a jumper, a standard grey colour, whatever colour jumper, and then the actual badge put on, that might save concerns. You mentioned there the voluntary contribution as well. It's supposed to be voluntary. Is it that schools are in a situation themselves because of funding being low and everything that has happened for the last year, that the voluntary contribution now is becoming a contribution you kind of have to give? Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, well, look at them in the idea of free education, uh, as advocated by Des O'Malley way back, or whatever his name is, Don O'Malley. Yeah, a lot of politicians it's, said it's it over the years. I'm not blaming the schools. The schools, the, 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 the capitation grants for the schools just don't meet, don't meet the, 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 the requirements of the schools themselves. So they have to look for contributions, financial contributions from parents. I'm not blaming the schools. It's a it's a government problem, you know. The part yeah. of education issue. Yeah, they need they need to iron out those problems. Yeah, yeah, and, and see what and they can do for the school. For that as well, we have a budget submission in for the moment for um, for the October budget, and we mm-hmm. mentioned that we, we we're advocating for um, for uh, for uh, a diminution of that, you know. And Paddy, is your outline there of what you are seeing and what you're doing firsthand? And this is just about going back to school. I mean, are you concerned for the months ahead and the far-out months in the winter? I mean, if people now are financially concerned, we usually hear that the winter months are the worst. I mean, have SVP, have you concern now for, for the months of November and December when things and families are struggling we as are, it is? you see, because like, we have what I've just discussed with you, which is added demands on our resources, and our resources are limited, which I'll come back to in a second. And we have a big concern about what we're going to, what we're going to meet in September October. Because the PUP is going to start uh, being phased out, uh, energy bills, then are going to come in with coal and all the rest of it. And um, our resources are, are limited to the extent that our church gate income, which is the mainstay of our, of our support from the public, which are very generous, 
is obviously reduced, hugely. Now, our charity shops are back in business and doing quite well, and I would advocate anybody close to a Vincent's shop in Cork to, um, to support it, but our resources are stretched, you know, beyond, beyond um, any other year I've experienced so far, you know. And as you mentioned there, the shops, you are looking for donations. Yeah, the shops are always looking for donations. Uh, we recycle donations, and we, we, the shops now are becoming the core of our, of our funding in lieu of the, the reduction in church gate. You know? Yeah, because the funding, as you mentioned, Churchgate and others have been affected over the last year. We're well aware charities are, are struggling also. So that has taken its hit on you as well. Absolutely. Um, we've, I, I would think that our, reduc- our in- income from Churchgate in the greater Cork area is down by two thirds. And um, given the current situation, I think it's unlikely to fully ever recover to where it was in Day 2019, uh, which is a concern for us, and we're we're working hard on our cash flow projections to how we're going to mitigate that and what alternative sources of income we can we can tap into. But our shops at the moment are the mainstay, together with financial donations. And let me say that anybody listening to this, please feel free to donate to www.sdp.ie or uh, and when you go into that uh, that um, this website, you will be asked to donate to to, lo- to nominate your your location, and it's the southwest into the park. Or 0818-176-176. Okay, Paddy. Well, um, yeah, the best of luck to you on on the generosity of the public, and especially in Cork, who've never failed us yet. And hopefully they won't uh, at this time around either. Yeah, in all our 176 years here. So, yeah. And and you mentioned 176 years. Is this the toughest of those years, do you think? Well, obviously, I... Obviously, you're not around for the 176, but but, but on the overall scheme and listening to people that were doing this job before you, do you feel that this is one of the toughest times for the organisation? Yeah, I I, I was a a foot soldier in a a local visitation conference in the countryside in 2008-9-10, but I suspect... That, that those were difficult times as well, the famous recession. But I think this is just as bad and we may become even worse as we go into the autumn this year, you know? Okay, well, uh, that's the, the truth of what it- How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. What's happening out there in the reality of it, uh, Paddy? For the moment, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. That is Paddy O'Flynn. He's regional president of St. Vincent de Paul on what they are hearing and the reality of what's happening on the ground. And for many of those who mention about budgeting, as Paddy explained, that everybody is, is good to budget, but also people who, who had high profile jobs, who never saw themselves in this situation and are now finding themselves in this situation. And then the, the school costs and everything that goes with that. And not to mind the winter that's ahead, which uh, harming to hear there that it could be as bad as what we had in the recession when it comes to people looking for help and looking for items. Anyhow, your views are welcome 1850 and you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and we'll stay on the education theme because if you are going back to college or if you have someone in your family or friends uh, circle that is going back to college, we'll discuss what could be available to you by way of grants but also advice on renting accommodation and what you have to look out for our sentence information slot that we do every month that is next and this week on the programme we have a competition and as you know you can play C103 Bingo every day for cash prizes here at C103 and to celebrate we're giving you the chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with our bonus bingo giveaway thanks to the NCBI you've got to listen across this week on the show and I will give you a bonus number each hour and then when you have all three numbers you can text or WhatsApp us at the combined total and you could be the winner so basically I'll give you number three numbers across the show you have to add them up and then whatever total you get you text or whatsapp in that number when we ask you to do so and you could go into the draw for our hotel giveaway this coming Friday you would receive a 400 euro hotel voucher and that can be used at any of the Clayton or Maldron hotels across the country so Let's start with our bonus bingo number for today. And your first number is number five. All right. Number five is your first number. Uh, Write that down. Keep it safe somewhere. I'll give you your second number very shortly. And you could be heading away to either the Clayton or Maldron Hotel in Ireland with thanks to the NCBI as we play bonus bingo across the week here on the show. So keep a note of number five. Now, this is C103. It's Cork Today. Our lines are open. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. A number of comments coming in on the various issues we've been discussing. A lot of commentary coming in from people who were in the education 
education sector and have mixed views on the Department of Education regarding teachers who, who will not have to be vaccinated when they return to the schools at the end of this month. And we'll get back to your calls and comments on that. But let's stay on the education theme and for our monthly citizens information segment. And this week we'll be uh, looking at uh, relations in regards to education and also going to college and renting accommodation or if you're, you're, it's your first time uh, maybe returning or going to college. Uh, for a lot of people that can be very daunting because you're going into a whole new world really. Anyhow, uh, Karen Crowley is the information officer with the South Munster Citizens Information Service based in Mallow and joins me. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning. I'm I'm actually wondering how I get hold of that voucher. I quite like to play in hotels. <laughs> Do you? Okay. Well, if the listen for those other numbers, you never you never know your luck. <laughs> I'm sure you're not alone in that, Karen. <laughs> I bet. Anyhow, we'll, um, it's something that a lot of people, when well, you're looking for the numbers, a lot of people are asking me about your offices there and if you're open to the public or what the situation is. I know the last time that was something you were looking into. What's the current situation there at Citizens Information? <laughs> I suppose mainly we're still operating by phone and email, um, but we are opening up a little bit more slowly, I suppose, to appointments in the offices in emergency situations. Quite a few of our offices have been kitted out with um, protective gear at this point. So we are arranging appointments in situations where we're unable to help over the phone. Now, I would say that we're still able to help over the phone maybe 95% of the time, but every now and again, you know, there may be a literacy issue or a language issue, and then we would have to bring somebody in. And some of the issues are best dealt with face-to-face, I suppose. Uh, but the best thing to do is give us a call and we'll be able to assess that. Okay, so give a call first before you ever go near uh, the building. And as oh, I yeah, mentioned you, you there... Won't, you won't get in without an appointment. That's very, very important. I mean, we do have people knocking on the door and it's very disappointing to have to turn them away. But due to COVID, we have certain protocols, so we would have to have a, an arrangement in place first. Very good, yeah. So make sure you have an appointment. And as I mentioned, uh, a lot of people now returning to college and many for the very first time, which can be daunting enough. Uh, but there is a financial aspect to this as well. And is there any financial supports for students or their parents if they are perhaps moving out of home and then starting college for the first time? There are a couple available. Now, I suppose the main one is, is the main transport everybody would know about, which is the SUSE grant, the student grant, OK? So that comes from the Student Universal Support Ireland. Now, they do accept late applications up until November. I think a lot of people may have their applications in now, and you should have received a decision at this point in time if you haven't followed it up, because sometimes they can look for documentation. And so log into your SUSE account and check that out. But as I said, they do accept late applications up until November. And is this means tested? And if so, what type of limits apply to the grant? It is very much means tested. Now, it does vary. So if, for example, a student was coming from a family with less than four dependent children, in order to qualify for the maximum rate of grant, the total take-home pay for the previous year would have to mean under 39875 Now, there is, look, there is a grid here, and it does operate on a sliding scale. So I would always encourage anybody that is called here just to apply. You'll never get anything unless you ask. And even if you feel you may be slightly over the limit, please apply because you don't know what disregards are in place. And as I said, a sliding scale operates. And even if you were to just get the student contribution paid, that's a huge amount off of a bill for a parent. And is that the parent's income only then? No, it's not. It's actually the parent's income and the student's income. So if the student that's planning on going to college has a summer job, 
that will all be, well, it won't all be taken into account, but it, would, it will all go into the totting up of income. But they will disregard €4,500 of the student's income. And what about then if the students maybe had a summer job or another job and they lost it because of what was happening with the pandemic and they were getting the PUP payment? Uh, will that pandemic payment be taken into account? It is going to be taken into account and we would anticipate it's going to cause issues this year. Um, right now, there is no disregard allowed for PUP payments for students. And the limit you mentioned there, I mean, is that, is that quite low? It can appear to be quite low, but if you look into it, which is why I would always tell people to apply anyway, if you, you know, under the surface you'll see that if there's more than one student attending college from the same household, the limit will rise by 4,830. And again, if there was a third student attending, it would rise again. So it definitely give a look at it and apply for it because it, I, I know it, it takes a lot of relief from from parents' shoulders um, to get any sort of help. And then if there's a situation with the student grant we mentioned being low and people are travelling you know, a long distance for college or maybe leaving their county, I mean, is there a maximum amount then for the student grant? The way it works is we've actually got two maximum rates of grant. So they're known as the adjacent and the non-adjacent. So the adjacent rate for students living within within 45 kilometres of the college is 3,000, oh sorry, is 1,125 and then you have you have the non-adjacent rate, which would be three thousand and twenty-five. So it, it, there's a huge difference. Uh, it does take into account that you are travelling, but that forty-five kilometres that is literally written in stone. If you are forty-five point two, you're you know you're going to get it's going to be set at one rate and not the other. Um, we have had that conversation, and I've brought it up numerous times with Susie saying, "Look, what's the situation if?" somebody is 45 and a half kilometres um, over and no, that will, the rate, the 45 is the cut off and that's it. And then we've been hearing uh, not only this morning but last week on the show from parents who have had massive wage cuts and obviously reduced hours or some being laid off for losing their jobs over the last year or so. Is there any special allowances that can be made to support them? There is and this is actually fantastic. It's called the special rate of grant and it would apply to disadvantaged students. Now, in order to be considered a disadvantaged student, one of your parents would need to have been on a long-term social welfare payment on the 31st of December 2020, and their net income would have to be 24500 or less. So if this is the case, a special rate of grant is paid, and the adjacent or the non-adjacent special rate of grant is €5,915, which is significant. And as well, obviously, as having your student contribution paid and then the adjacent special rate of grant is 2375. And then when we speak about the expenses, and I know you mentioned the grant there, but then there's expenses such you know, as books and, and laptops. Is there any other help that can assist the students and indeed the parents? Generally, separate, we'll say, from the student grant, colleges also have access to what's known as a student assistance fund, and the students can apply directly to their college for assistance with these expenses. This will usually involve completing an application form and maybe going for a short interview in the college. Now, there are no set amounts of funding under this scheme, so the college will assess each application on its own merits. And so... I would be advising anybody, maybe contact the administration in the college um, when you get your acceptance or you get your letter of offer and, and you're accepting it, or contact the students' union. They're usually fantastic as well. And then if you have a student who wants to move out and wants to rent, I mean, is there financial support for this person? 
generally know if a student is going to college for the first time and are getting support through Susie's student grant, there won't be any help with paying rent. However, because there's always a however, you may have a situation where a student is aged over 21 and going to college after being on a social welfare payment. If this is the case, the student could be entitled to what's called back to education allowance, BTEA for short, and a combined rent supplement. And then if the person would qualify for this, as you mentioned there, they would be over the age of 21. Um, Would it be everybody would qualify or does it take into account other situations? It will take into account situations. So you must be age over 21. You must be on what's known as qualifying social welfare payment. So we'll say job seekers allowance would be a qualifying social welfare payment. And then it depends on the different levels and what you're applying for. So if you were on job seekers allowance for, we'll say, three months or more, that would qualify you to do a second level course on back to education allowance. And then if you wish to do a third level course, they would require that you would be on it for nine months or more. And if someone then who was on the PUP due to the pandemic, could they qualify for that back to education allowance? The, if they were to move over onto job seekers, they would. The POP itself isn't qualifying payment, but the time you've spent on it will accrue. So it will help towards it. So what we would be suggesting is, look, move yourself across to job seekers, which is the underlying payment anyway for POP. And then you can apply for back to education allowance from that. So it would be well worth your while. And a person then who was on the back to education allowance, can they also get the rent supplement? Yeah, they can. That's that's the beauty of it. If you're on, you'd be swapping your own payments, so your job seekers allowance or maybe your disability allowance or your one parent family payment. You'd move on to back to education allowance, generally at the very same rate that you were on previously. And you would also qualify for rent supplement. Um, this is if you're moving into full time education. And could you also then apply for the Susie grant as well? No, I'm ready. It is one or the other. So it's one or the other with that. And yeah, yeah. Uh, also, you know, if, if parents, some of them can get help for, for example, tax relief on rent they pay for their children. Is that entailed in this? It's not really, no. That was phased out back in 2017 um, for rent. Now, it was, there is still tax relief to be got on the student fees, but it's it's not as easy as, as one would think. Of course, I mean, I would have looked at it myself. I have, hopefully, I have a Leaving Cert student myself that will hopefully be heading to college in September, so I'm very interested in all of this. Um, so the fees, there is a disregard of the first 3,000 for a, a full-time student that you won't, you can't claim tax back on, but anything over three and under seven for one student, you will get 20% of that back if you are a PAYE worker. So, you know, it is worth looking into. You may get something back at the end of the year when you're doing your, you know, you're balancing the books on, on your My Account on revenue. And as you mentioned, you're you're going through this yourself at the moment uh, with a child going into uh, secondary or sorry, into third level in college. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the time it's a very daunting experience. But what can be more daunting is moving out of home. If you have no choice, you have to move out of home and rent for the very first time and deal with everything to do with, you know, renting, contacting a landlord, uh, getting leases and then dealing with other people in the house in a house share situation. I mean, what advice would you give to a student who is going to go through that for the very first time? Well, I suppose it's it's first step into adulthood, isn't it? Totally, when yeah. Dealing with all of this, and we <laughs> all remember all the days <laughs> well, lying there and you're seeing your your breath in the air because it's so cold. <laughs> but what we would be saying, because things have moved on from then, is don't be tempted to pay a deposit or sign a tenancy agreement until you've actually seen the property. I know there is a rush for properties, but you know, go take a look at it first. 
And if you are signing an agreement, check if you want to live in the property for the time period stated on the agreement. Is it a nine-month agreement? Is it a 12-month agreement? And check for the early break clauses. Make sure, this is a big one, make sure you have the correct contact details for the landlord or the landlord's agent. And check out that, you know, if you choose to leave the property early, what's the status with your deposit? And also, if you're moving in with friends, because this usually happens maybe heading into second year and third year, that if you're moving in with friends, check the, ten- with, check the tenancy agreement to see if one of those friends moves out, are the remaining tenants liable for the full rent? Because this would be quite a common clause. Now, what I absolutely loved this year, because you know yourself, if you've somebody heading to college, I in my head, it's like, right, I need 3000 for this and I need 3000 for that. And then the Residential Tenancies Act 2021 came in. It's lovely, okay? So if you're a tenant in student-specific accommodation, you only need to give your landlord 28 days' notice when ending a tenancy. Previously, and I think COVID really brought this to light, you were actually tied in to the end of the agreement. So students were sent home from college and they were still tied into that agreement until the end of the college year. So essentially you had parents picking up a tab and the students are sitting at home eating out of their own fridge. You know, Yeah, and they're paying the high rent still for the house, but no one's availing of the house. And nobody's availing of the house. Okay, so to me, this this was a thing of beauty as a parent. And the other side of it is that they've also changed it. So previously, if you were in student-specific accommodation, you would often be asked to pay a term at a time. So you were looking at coming up with maybe three and four thousand euros per term. That also has changed. Okay, so right now they're saying no more than two months at a time unless you choose to pay more. So a landlord, even in student-specific accommodation, can look for a month's deposit plus one month in advance. All right, so for anybody with, with kids going to college, you're looking at an outlay of two months as opposed to maybe four months. And, and that's a big thing, especially when you've other kids to be getting back to school. So yeah, the Residential Tenancies Act was, was a lovely thing that came into effect this year for all of us parents. And then if a student is in a situation whereby they have paid a deposit and you signed the tenancy agreements, but then you're in the house and you find the property may not be up to standards, you know, there's no hot water or something running at any time in the house. Uh, what's the situation there? Can you leave or what are your rights? Well, all rented property must meet basic minimum standards. So the basic standards would be things like having access to hot and cold water and being able to control your own heating. Now, the local authorities, such as, we'll say, Cork City Council, Cork County Council, they're responsible for enforcing these standards. And it's always advisable to request in writing that the landlord carry out any necessary repairs so that you have that paper trail, even if it's via an email. If the landlord doesn't carry out the repair in a reasonable time frame, you can complain to the local authority and they have the power to send out inspectors and prosecute the landlord if necessary. And what then if it's the end of the year or whenever you're leaving the property and the students can't get the deposit back from the landlord? In a situation like this and maybe the landlord is saying there was some damage done to part of the property, how do they get around that? A landlord should only retain the deposit or parts of it to cover any damage beyond normal wear and tear. So I would always advise anybody leaving a property to take pictures of the property before they move out as evidence of the condition that they left the property in. And they should also check the notice period they're required to give the landlord. If the matter can't be resolved easily, then we'll say one-to-one, the students can refer the matter as a dispute to the RTB, the Residential Tenancies Board. And then can a landlord, while they're in the, the house, can they increase the rent after the student moves in? 
that depends on where you are. So we'll say the different rules depending on whether the property is, is in a rent pressure zone or not. So the rent pressure zone is an area where rents cannot be increased. You'll find that um, more often closer to cities, really. Um, so they can't be increased by more than general inflation. So lists of these areas are available on our own website, citizensinformation.ie or rtbe.ie. So at the beginning of a new tenancy in a rent pressure zone, a landlord is required to do a few things. Okay, So they must provide the tenant in writing with following information, the amount of rent that was last set, so the person before you, what were they paying, the date that that rent was set, and a statement as to how the rent was set, so what calculations were used. And that's, that would be the rent pressure zone. And for a tenancy not located in a rent pressure zone, so after you check out and see are you or aren't you in a rent pressure zone, a landlord can increase the rent in line with market value only once every two years. So again, once you know when the last uh, rent was set, that'll give you an idea as to whether the landlord has a right to increase it or not. OK, well, there's a lot there in it for those who are especially going on the first time. I mean, it is a complex area, Karen. Would you have any other advice for students who are going along and going to be doing this within the next month if they're not already in the midst of it? Honestly, I would say give us a call. That's really the most practical thing um, that somebody can do. If you know, if you have any queries about contracts or you just want some general information, we would be able to help out and we'll more than welcome any calls. So give us a call, have a chat with ourselves, one of the information officers. And we can go through the situation and then hopefully signpost and guide you in the right direction. And as always, our service is free and it's confidential. Now, anyone that does want to contact ourselves, head on to citizensinformation.ie. You'll find the number of your local centre there. Or if you want to contact myself in Mallow, I'm on 076-107-8000. Or if you're down in Bantry, that's 076-107-8390. Very good. Well, plenty of uh, information there, Karen, for people to think about and a lot of advice as well. And thank you for that. And we'll chat to you again soon. But thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. You're very welcome. Good morning. Take care. That is Karen Crowley there, who is an information officer with the South Munster Citizens Information Service based in Mallow. Uh, but as you heard Karen mention, their offices right across the county. But contact them first on those numbers she mentioned to arrange an appointment before you call into their office. Our lines are open 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 86 103 It's Monday and Elisa Drizel will be offering nutritional advice after 12.30. If you have a question for Annalisa so get that into us now. Call Bernie 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. She'll join us after 12.30 on the programme. But a lot of calls and comments in on various issues we've been discussing across the morning. First of all, to Bantry Hospital and a number of texts in on this. First of all, this texter says, uh, Hi JP, on health and our health system. It is totally overrun with high-priced paper pushers and overpaid top-tier doctors. And we we can see that even with a nephit and their committees and their subcommittees and then their sub subcommittees. And then if you look at a hospital, the regular doctors in hospitals are caught between them and running around to get this and that. And basically they're running themselves into the ground while the hospital remains under pressure and then services can get caught in other regards of the hospital as well. A lot of people making that very same point. Thank you for your text. Also, Liz says, Dear God, this country is in a shambles. I wonder could it happen anywhere else uh, regarding what is happening at the moment in Bantry? 
and Ross says all the doctors and nurses who came home and few of them got jobs they all returned to help Ireland out during the pandemic uh, but a lot of people we know that did not get uh, jobs when they returned home even though they would have travelled from far away countries such as Australia and others if they turned up now at Bantry Hospital the HSE would not employ them as many of those doctors and nurses remain unemployed says Ross on text to 0862103103 and uh, Pat and Pat we did mention Mallow over the last week we were discussing Bantry and what was happening there Uh, he says uh, Hi John Paul it's great to hear people standing up for what is happening in Bantry but don't forget Mallow and hell with the HSE and the government says Pat well uh, we did last week we were mentioning Mallow in regards to that and uh, uh, a lot of people when they're looking at Bantry they are concerned that the situation like what is happening in Bantry may happen elsewhere to other hospitals across the country but we're very aware of both local hospitals here in Cork Mallow General and indeed Bantry General as people fight to retain services in both those hospitals at the moment it's Bantry uh, that is being highlighted thank you for your text Pat to 0862103103 and the other issue that people are texting in about this morning this is the Department of Education and they say that teachers will now not have to be vaccinated when schools reopen at the end of this month. They've also confirmed that they will not have to divulge their vaccine status to get back into the classrooms. And why teacher unions are saying it's the right of any person to refuse a vaccination, the professor that is coming out from DCU, Anthony Staines, he says in the pandemic, teachers do not have the absolute right to privacy. Uh, a lot of people have various views on this. First of all, Eileen says every teacher should be vaccinated to protect their pupils and fellow teachers. Uh, while Joe says, I don't see the problem here. If somebody wants to be vaccinated, fine. If they don't, move on. It's the person's choice, as the Department of Education said. So it's not up to the parent or anyone else to know what a person's vaccination status is. Just get on and educate the children, says Joe and text to 0862103103. But a teacher who has sent in a WhatsApp here, and this is her own uh, situation and what she is going through at the moment. She says, I am absolutely outraged, scared and dissatisfied to see that the Department of Education has sanctioned the return of pregnant teachers in September, including those who will be unvaccinated at this time. I do wish to be vaccinated. I was due to be vaccinated last week, but due to a pregnancy emergency complication the weekend previous, my maternity consultant advised me to wait a few weeks to be vaccinated to see how the pregnancy progresses. Therefore, I will not be fully vaccinated by the end of August when I am due to return to school. Earlier in the year, following representations by the INTO, pregnant teachers were facilitated to work from home and that was from February to March of this year until the end of the school year. Now, this was at a time when high case numbers and the Delta variant were not to the forefront. Now, I am expected to return to the classroom of 25 junior and senior infants and I am pregnant and unvaccinated where I believe me and you we cannot social distance in a situation like this and if you make the best effort it just does not work with that age group this is totally against the normal public health advice the fact that pregnant women are widely acknowledged to be more vulnerable to COVID-19 and the new variants I cannot go for an indoor meal but I can go into the classroom pregnant and unvaccinated as of yet 
also the fact that I am being treated as the same risk level as the same as the teacher next door to me who has the same class size, is not pregnant and is fully vaccinated. It's just crazy, says that uh, texter on WhatsApp and who's a teacher in a school. And thank you for your text. And I do feel for you in that situation you were in. That's really bringing to the fore what's happening within the education system and what certain teachers are facing. Like that person, you can see firsthand there her concerns and her worries. And as she says, because of her pregnancy and what happened to her last weekend, uh, she can't avail of the vaccination, but still she will be going into a, a busy classroom and we were discussing class sizes on the show last Friday uh, 25 junior and senior infants in that classroom uh, social distancing as you can understand with that age group uh, is tough and does not happen and then while she can't go for an indoor meal she can go and teach in a classroom of that situation and she's obviously worried because uh, of her pregnancy thank you for your WhatsApp the very best of luck to you uh, with your pregnancy and everything else going forward I do hope everything works out for you uh, and that school will be somewhat okay when you return uh, again the reality of what is happening on the ground also on text uh, text are here is saying let the non-vax teachers back and let the vaccination teachers they can sue the government and stay out in full pay it's a health and safety issue so the former Minister for Health Leo and Michal need to wake up and take their heads out from under their arms and deal with this situation Leo he told untruths about Sapone's party and it was written all over his face when he was speaking about this shame on you Leo and shame on our so-called leaders who are waffling out lies uh, says that person on text to 0862103103 and interesting you mentioned there Leo and Sapone Pone's party because at the weekend even though there was no ministers or anybody from government available to speak to anybody last week they were all out Friday evening and across the weekend and they were basically blaming the way the information came out and the health advice the way it was delivered because they feel that what happened with Sapone's party that was within the law you could always do that you could have a function socially for 200 people outdoors even though when you read the regulations before all this happens yes you may have something outdoors doors for 200 people uh, but it wasn't for a social occasion our reading on it was that it was for an educational training event or something the lines of that but social wasn't part of it anyhow they say it was and they're blaming the way the information was delivered Fall to Ireland then came out at the weekend and they said they could not get clarity from the government on its outdoor dining rules in the weeks before the Marion Hotel party and this was in the Business Post yesterday who reported that the tourism body raised concerns to the government about the vague regulations and they were unsuccessful in attempts to get guidance and then we had Tish the Taunasha, Liev Riker, who then came out towards the end. I think it was last Friday. He gave an interview to RTE News and across the weekend then uh, various ministers were out. I saw Jack Chambers out as well. Uh, and they basically were all saying that they were criticising the guidelines and they were saying that they were uh, unclear as part of the apology. And that was the explanation they gave for attending the event, that the guidelines were unclear, even though Fault Ireland came out and said they could not get clarity on the outdoor dining rules and when you dig through them there's nothing mentioned about social you could have 200 people outdoors but it would be for something like for example education training or something like that but you couldn't the reading we had 
uh, and when you read through which you really couldn't have anybody outside with a glass of champagne or a, a pint of whatever you're having uh, in the back lawn of any hotel because it was deemed according to those rules that you know it's, it shouldn't have, not have been happening and whereby you could have had them sitting on a chair looking at a, a graph on a board but not having a few points that's the reading that the majority of the people would have got from that while to Ireland couldn't get clarity when they went to dig in more but yes the government because basically they were caught out are saying uh, it's been because of the uh, rules being made unclear but then who makes up the rules 1850-333-103 and we have a few uh, comments coming in on climate change as well I'll get to those very shortly uh, but hi to John who's in Lumberstown can we help out John here John wants to know uh, if anybody can help him out with a motorbike because he wants to buy a Honda 90 motorbike now he says they are old and scarce he has one but it's on its last leg so can anybody help out John where could he purchase a Honda 90 motorbike he's in the Lumberstown area uh, we have his details here you can get in contact with Bernie for more information on 1850-333-103 now if you were collecting our numbers we gave you earlier in the show your final number is on the way uh, what's happening is all this week on the programme we have a giveaway a C103 bingo uh, as you know you can play every day for cash prizes here at C103 and to celebrate this we're giving you the chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with our bonus bingo giveaway thanks to the NCBI you listen out across the show I will give you a bonus number and when you have all three numbers then you text or WhatsApp in the combined total and you could be the winner. I gave you two numbers in the last hour. Here is the third number and the third number is number 20. Two and zero, 20 is your third number. Add up that 20 with the other two numbers I gave you and now text in the total along with your name and where you are to 86 103 text or WhatsApp uh, those into us and we'll uh, pick a winner very shortly with the correct answer you then go into the draw at the weekend for Friday where you could win yourself a 400 euro hotel voucher to be used at any Clayton or Maldron hotel in Ireland with thanks to the NCBI as we celebrate C103 Bingo The C103 Cork Diary With the new Explore Cork app a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do. And a coffee afternoon in aid of breakthrough cancer research that will be held at the Garden of Kathleen Finn in Cork McShurry. It's going ahead on Sunday next, August 15th from 2 to 6pm. The house will be signposted from the village of Cork McShurry and also from Barry Row. Your support for this great cause would be appreciated. And Bananhasic Community Development Association, they're holding a clothing collection in the Marion Hall in Bananhasic. That's going ahead each Monday and Thursday evening from 7pm to 8.30pm and from Monday the 2nd of August to Thursday the 19th where items of used clothes paired shoes bags towels sheets curtain and duvet covers they are all welcome and the collection is to raise funds for the refurbishment of the Marion Hall car park Tim League driving bingo that goes ahead next Saturday at 4pm in the community sports field in Tim League the gates will open there at 3 o'clock and books are available on the day and two historical events take place in McCroom as part of the Heritage Week 
week uh, you can meet at the former Church of Ireland on Castle Street in McCroom and that's on next Sunday and also Sunday the 22nd and it's for events that will be going on from 2 to 4.30 pre-booking though is required you can call 086 891 for further information Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 And keep your questions coming for Annalisa Drizel. Annalisa will join us in the next 10 minutes if you have a nutritional question for her you can call Bernie now 1850-333-103 or text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Now a few calls and comments in regarding climate change because as we know experts uh, are calling for a new UN climate report out today because they're calling what's happening at the moment as a 999 emergency call for the planet and it's expected to warn that there will be a 1.5 degree increase in the Earth's temperature and it's going to happen within the next 10 years and it's going to be 10 years previously earlier than what they thought and we all know about the melting ice and all of that elsewhere uh, but Jerry is saying Hi JP I was watching Channel 4 News last night I don't usually watch this news but I was flicking through my TV and came across it and was watching a report on Greece and it really shocked me to see the level of destruction being caused in Greece due to the heat wave there and temperatures reaching the high 40s. To see people who are being evacuated from their homes, homes burning and people waiting for boats to get off islands that are just simply on fire and the pictures were frightening like something out of a movie. We had pictures of red and orange skies over the sea, something I thought we would only see in movies but this was reality. Does this not show that we need to tackle climate change across the world. Ireland itself is not big enough to control the issues of the earth and the effects that climate will have on the earth but surely uh, leaders from across the world now need to come together if these temperatures are the cause of scenes like this frightening uh, says Jerry on text to 0862103103 and yeah I, I did see those pictures across the weekends it is Jerry like you say something out of a movie and awful to see so many people having to leave their home and homes just going on fire at temperatures of over 42 to 45 degrees on the Greek islands uh, which are absolutely beautiful islands I spent a bit of time there a number of years ago and they are really scenic but to think that this is happening to them it will have a knock-on effect depending what other islands uh, this may happen to to their tourism as well because they really do benefit from tourism of those Greek islands but it is now putting the question to all leaders I think and following that report from the UN that is out today and you'll hear more of with that over the next uh, number of days uh, that something needs to be done now to tackle uh, the situation and then people will say you know we have heat waves over the last number of years and and that is the reason they, they happen but this is the consequence of them happening uh, but now climate experts are worried about the increase in temperature across the world so thank you for your text Jerry to 0862103103 and an email into me as well over the weekend and uh, two emails actually first of all this is to do with Skull and this is the listener who doesn't want the name read out but says I am a local here in Skull and can you say well done to everybody involved in the tidy towns in Skull and everybody else who helped out to clean up the pier area and elsewhere in Skull over the weekend there was a huge amount of people gathering again like in other times and causing antisocial behaviour in Skull Uh, I don't think these people were from here I think they travelled to the area and then left again leaving their rubbish behind but 
well done to Skull and to the locals who came out and voiced your prize well done to everybody who cleaned up it's fantastic to see the place clean again but shame on those who think they can come to our local community party on our pier and destroy it and then go away it's not fair says that listener and I actually saw a post up on one of the Skull Facebook pages I think it was Love Skull across the weekend as well who basically did show this impact and did thank the Skull Tally Towns groups and others who came out to help them and many young local people who came out to clean the pier as we know it's been happening for quite uh, many a time many a year it's it's nothing new to Skull but it's unfortunate that it does continue to happen but as it did happen well done to all those uh, who are in the Skull area who cleans uh, the area up over the weekends. Yeah, and as that listener says, shame on those who decided to come down from other areas, not sure from where, but can come down and think they can do what they want. And then an email. And remember Catherine Ross Murphy, we spoke to uh, earlier on last year on the show. Catherine released her book, which was very popular. It was called Catherine's Old Time Recipes. And she was selling uh, the book uh, for St. Vincent de Paul. And the book was selling out everywhere. We got so many calls from people right across the county who, where the book wasn't for sale, wanted to buy it. And the book then became available uh, for sale in that area. So well done to Catherine. She's a great lady there, does great work in the wider room area and she says if we can give the book another mention so it's still available Catherine's old time recipes because St Vincent de Paul have given her permission for the remainder of the books to be sold in aid of the Irish Community Air Ambulance of course based in Rathcool near Mill Street now as we know as Catherine says these guys receive no state funding whatsoever but they need our help so the books they are available in Fields in Skibbereen and in Sintra near the church in Bantry also available in Super value in Bantry. Uh, some shops won't have it on display publicly so you might have to ask at the till says Catherine if you wish to buy a copy of uh, her book. It's also available to buy in Canturk in Mallow Buttevant, McCroom, Clonakilty Balancolic and in the city. The book again, Catherine's Old Time Recipes, some great recipes in there and uh, the remainder of those books uh, by Catherine Ross Murphy are now going to raise funds for the Irish Community Air Ambulance. Well done again to Catherine. Love lady in McCroom and she does so much community work there for various uh, communities the uh, Fairy Garden there in Massytown in McCroom if you know that area of McCroom uh, she was involved with that and so much more but well done to her on her book and raising so much funds for uh, the what was St Vincent de Paul initially now the Irish Community Ambulance and that book again it's called Catherine's Old Time Recipes now and calls and comments coming in on various issues. Uh, this, for my listeners, uh, it's on about anti-social behaviour. Um, and this is to do with uh, where they are listening in, for, where they are living in for my, and also listening in for my. Uh, they're saying uh, neighbours where I live, uh, they don't seem to care about what is going on in the world, and don't seem to care about making loud noise because I have contacted the council and the Gardaí, and no one will do anything to me. It seems that no one will stop them. Uh, you see, life goes on. These neighbours actually think that nothing can be done to them, but surely there must be something someone can do. So any advice for that for my listener and anti-social neighbours? And when you mean anti-social, you don't go into details. So I presume it's late night parties and the usual that we hear of or loud noise that is preventing you to get to sleep. Um, And a lot of people we have heard over time who are in that situation and it is a tough situation to be in. Uh, So if anybody can offer advice, uh, this person says they have gone to the and they have gone to the council, but nothing can be done. And on the issue of teachers and the issue of vaccination 
vaccinating teachers and teachers who were returning back to the classroom unvaccinated and people have mixed views on that. Uh, the texter here, Paul, Paul says, so last April teachers were attacked for wanting to be vaccinated so they could protect themselves and the children in their classes. Now, it's all teachers should be vaccinated before they're allowed return to class. You had no problem with unvaccinated teachers last March, April, May and June. You could not make it up, says Paul on text. While another texter here says regarding pregnant teachers, it just goes to show the Department of Education should have more male teachers. At least 75% of teachers are female, says this texter. And this equates to more sick days and bigger bills to the department, says that texter to 0862103103. And that's all coming from uh, the Department of Education who says teachers will not have to be vaccinated when the schools reopen at the end of the month and we had a number of comments surrounding that as well and also can I say hi to Joan who is agreeing with Jory she says I think at this stage something has to be done with regards to uh, the climate change situation it's getting out of control we can see the effects here how long more before we get major storms hitting Ireland causing more devastation is it only then people will realise that things are changing in the planet and will that be too late says Joan to 0862103103 and there's been a number of people asking about x-ray facilities at Bantry Hospital which we discussed earlier and we have got no definite answer if x-ray is open or not in Bantry so if there's anybody in the, in the know uh, we've checked in with a number of people but they weren't too sure so if anybody knows if the x-ray department is open in a Bantry Hospital or is that affected also let us know 1850 it is the same number uh, for your questions for Annalisa, who joins us next. Uh, we're offering nutritional advice. If you have a question for Annalisa, get that into us now. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And the Premier League, it returns this weekend. And you can check out exclusive Premier League games live on c103.ie and the C103 app with now. Premier League, your sport on your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most with now. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 And just getting back to comments regarding the teachers and the vaccinations and mixed views on that from the Department of Education. Uh, Miriam is in Bandon. Uh, She has a grandchild going to school. Miriam says she's just sick of the teachers at this stage and all the complaining. She says they were complaining about the remote learning and waiting to get the vaccine. And now they are insisting they don't have to say if they are vaccinated or not. The parents, says Miriam, are entitled to know if the teachers are vaccinated or not. And on Bantry Hospital. Uh, Dermot Kelleher is president of the ICSA he wants to congratulate Jerry Harrington who we spoke with earlier a first responder from Bantry who organised that protest and the success of that protest yesterday and Dermot spoke at that and hopefully someone will listen uh, to what is going on now regarding Bantry and just when someone texts in there about Covid and the pandemic and when things will get back well I suppose things are reopening as fast as they are but Professor Luke O'Neill says the government must trust the vaccinations are working and reopen society. He said young people need to make and need to be made a priority and that events like Electric Picnic should not automatically be cancelled due to COVID. And though there was disappointment when that was cancelled. It was a leash, of course, um, County Council that refused uh, the licence for Electric Picnic. We mean, won't be going ahead there. Uh, maybe we'll go somewhere else. I'm not too sure. But for the moment, it's not going ahead. But Professor Luke O'Neill, interesting that he's coming out now and he says that vaccinations 
Sometimes the government must trust they are working and reopen society, uh, everything more or less, back to some normality. And that news just out as a, a listener there and from I was making the point about getting back to normal. It seems things will be very shortly. Now, Annalisa Giselle joins us in a few minutes, but we did ask you to text in your total number of the five of the three numbers we gave you uh, during the show uh, this is to celebrate C103 Bingo where you can win cash prizes every week and we are giving you a chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with our bonus bingo giveaway thanks to the NCBI I did give you three numbers and we asked you then to text in the total when you add those three numbers up the numbers were 5 15 and 20 when you add all those up you get the number 40 that is your bonus bingo number for today and well done to Elma Downey in Nockenevin well done to you Elma and you go into that draw on Friday's show where you could win yourself a 400 euro hotel voucher for any of the Clayton or Maldron hotels across Ireland we'll play that again tomorrow morning on the show from 10am Annalisa Giselle joins us from the Health Hub in Banning College good afternoon to you Annalisa good afternoon John Paul and we've a lot of questions in so I'll go straight into them here and first of all Mary is in Bandon and she wants to know have you any any advice for her regarding stomach pains? She has terrible stomach pains for at least a year at this stage. Now, Mary says she's taken Panadol for this. She has not gone to see a doctor about it yet, but any advice on what she can do? I suppose it depends, firstly, John Paul, where the stomach, where the pain is. So a lot of the time we'd say we've stomach pain, but it mightn't actually be in the stomach area. It might be maybe in the small intestinal area and sometimes even lower down in the colon. So, like, a, a pain in your stomach could be maybe difficulty in digesting or it's possible that there's an ulcer there. If it's more of a kind of a burning pain, it's definitely likely to be an ulcer. But if it's a cramping pain, then it's more likely to be an, an, an issue with digestion and, um, you know, the gallbladder might come into play there as well. So the next question then to ask would be, do you feel worse after eating fatty foods? So there's a number of different things that can cause stomach pain. If you've had it for a year, you have to go and get it checked out because it could be something very, very simple, but it might also be something that if you catch it early will not end up being a major issue. So if there's an ulcer there, for example, it's better to treat that sooner rather than later because it doesn't, it's very difficult to heal an ulcer on its own. So I would recommend that she go and get checked. But if she was, if she was um, able to pop into the shop, I'd be able to go through my whole usual barrage of questions that I would ask and possibly come up with something um, natural for her to take. So just off the, the, the top of my head, maybe if it's a burning pain, something like slippery elm is very, very good to protect the stomach lining. You can take it as a powder or as capsules. The capsules, obviously, you need to take a little bit sooner because they need to open up and they coat the stomach lining with a lovely thick layer of a kind of a mucilage and very, very protective and healing. So that's a very nice one. And if it's more of a crampy pain, maybe take a digestive enzyme with something in there that helps you digest fats. So a good one would be the Udo's digestive enzyme blend, or you can also get a very nice Salgar digestive enzyme blend. But do not take the Salgar if there's burning. And a listener here who wants to know what tonic or supplements could I take after being COVID-19 positive? I'm feeling very, very weak and very tired with no energy. I have been vaccinated since, but any advice for that person? Yeah, absolutely. It's very common, actually, and I've been doing a lot of research and a lot of training around long COVID, John Paul, as well, because it's very common. Um, 
and actually possibly even more common amongst younger people, um, you know, under the age of 70, the long COVID. And the symptoms of that would be fatigue, long-term fatigue, and particularly after exertion. So you might feel good and you might go out for a big, long walk and then it might take you two days to get over the walk. So that's typical of long COVID. And there is a number of areas that need to be addressed with long COVID, but just in terms of improving energy, the Revive Active, um, an Irish company, it's a fantastic product. It comes in a sachet form and you just take one sachet a day. That's full of good nutrients that will help improve your energy pathways. The other thing that I love as well is um, the source of life, gold, which is a great tonic and has a bit of ginseng in there. So that puts in an immediate kick from the ginseng to give you an energy boost. So uh, they would be ones that I would definitely recommend. And then you probably need to take something antiviral as well. So the olive leaf extract is lovely for that. Um, And make sure that um, you are getting enough vitamin C, vitamin D and zinc, because they're all hugely important in terms for the immune system to kind of come back to a normal level, which is fighting fit, but not too pro-inflammatory. And Martin is in Mitchellstown, Annalisa. Martin has a corn on his toe. Now, he wants to know, is there anything else he can use beside a plaster or the wart treatment because he is a diabetic? diabetic, uh, But he says the corn, it's really painful at the moment. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love if there was a natural remedy for corns, but unfortunately there isn't just the corn plaster and maybe have them removed. The thing with diabetes is that a lot of the time your circulation is affected uh, because the blood sugar can damage the tiny little cells of the, the capillaries that go right out to fingers and toes. So if you're a diabetic, taking something like alpha-lipoic acid is a wonderful protector for those tiny little blood vessels. They'll also help protect the cells in your eyes, so they'll help prevent cataract formation as well, which is very common with diabetes. Um, So that would be a nice one to take as a protective thing if you've got diabetes and also will help improve circulation. And if circulation to the toes and fingers are going well, healing is much better because you do need a good, good blood supply to the area for good healing. And Mary on WhatsApp wants to know, she recently had a DEXCA scan and as a result, she was prescribed a Calchichu D3 1000 milligrams. But could Annalise recommend any alternative, please? Yeah, I think that um, the Calchichu is generally calcium carbonate, which is a chalk form of calcium. And it's quite difficult to absorb that calcium. It's also quite a high dose of calcium, John Paul, and there is research that shows high doses of calcium will increase your risk of heart disease because that elevated calcium in the blood particularly will harden any cholesterol that's been deposited in the arteries. So I would much rather see people take a very good uh, vitamin D and K supplement. So vitamin D will help you absorb calcium from your diet and vitamin K2 is very important for getting the calcium out of your blood and onto the bone which is really what you want. You don't want a lot of calcium in the blood. You want it being put down on the bone. And there are a few other things that are important as well. So vitamin C is another important one on boron. Magnesium is an important one. So a good bone supplement will have all of those. And a couple of my favorite ones are the um, Nature's Plus Bone Support. Now, this is a much more expensive one, but it's a very, very easily absorbed form of calcium. And it is, I've had great results with people with osteopenia and osteoporosis with that. So that's the Nature's Plus Bone Support. And then BioCare do a very good one called Osteoplex. That's another nice one. Nature's Plus, do one with a high dose of calcium if that's what you want. 
um, and it is literally just called calcium, magnesium and vitamin D. Cal, mag, vit D and that's by Nature's Plus as well. Okay, hopefully that helps uh, Mary there. And Jane is in Mallow. Now, Jane has low sodium and she's taking tablets for this. She wants to know if there's anything in particular that she could be eating or anything that she should avoid eating. Okay, so if she has low sodium, that sodium, normally we think of salt, um, sodium chloride. So taking sodium tablets is is very safe and is the best way to bring up low sodium. Um, Another way of taking it would be to use sea salt, um, which is a complete salt. And sea salt would have a blend of sodium, magnesium, calcium, a little bit of iodine. So it's a very complete salt. So she could also put a pinch of salt in when she's drinking a glass of water. And that's a very natural way to do it. I would never recommend that people increase the salty foods in their diet because that tends to be sodium chloride, which is missing um, all of the other lovely electrolytes that you would get in a sea salt. It's purely chemical table salt. So that is not good in terms of elevating your blood pressure. Um, It will put the sodium in, but it doesn't do it in a healthy way. So don't increase the sodium-rich foods in your diet like crisps and peanuts and bacon and rashers and cheese. It's not good to have too much of those. So instead, put a pinch of sea salt into your water or into a glass of juice and make sure you use it on your, your food as well when you're eating. And Tim uh, has an issue with his hand. It's like he says the bones in his hand hurt when he has to catch a biro or, or clutch his hands together. He doesn't know what it is. He thought maybe it was some form of arthritis, but he's unsure. Any advice what this could be? Tim says he does weight lift, but not heavy weights. He just does what he's described as unheavy weights in a gym. He doesn't think that is an issue, but even with the weights, he does feel this pain in his hand. And it's like, as he, he describes it, coming from his bones. Any advice on how he can strengthen the bones or what could this be? Yeah, it's again, but John Paul, that's one where I don't normally ask a lot more questions. So it could be bone pain, which could be arthritis. But arthritis generally tends to happen more in the knuckles and the wrists and the Mm. joints, you know, because it's a a breakdown of of the cartilage. Um, So so I have noticed that people would complain of sore bones when they are vitamin D deficient. So that would be a good place to start if you do think it's bone pain. Um, if it's more closer to the joints, take a collagen supplement, which is very good for rebuilding joints. We're a big fan here of one by um, Gal Vitamins, G-A-L Vitamins, and it's UC2 cartilage for joints. That is a lovely one for any kind. And there's also a natural anti-inflammatory turmeric extract in there. So that's a good one. And then the last thing I'd say there is that possibly it's not the bones at all. If it's a recent thing, it's possible that maybe you've pulled an injured tendon tendons can take a long time to heal Um, and that would always feel it could feel like bone pain because the tendon is what attaches the muscle to the bone Um, and if you have strained that or pulled it or even put a little tear in it you will get that feeling of bone pain so tendons again you take natural anti-inflammatories like turmeric extract would be good for that but there is a homeopathic remedy which is called ruta r-u-t-a grav g-r-a-v um, it's a bit of a shot in the dark. I'd say if it works, it can like it worked for me, and within a week my tendonitis cleared up. But I, I recommend it a lot to people, and I'd say 
there's maybe a one in four chance that it'll hit the spot for you. But it's not an expensive one to try. So that is homeopathic rotta grav if you feel it could be more tendons. Okay, hopefully that helps you there, Tim. Annalisa, thank you for that. Of course, everything you mentioned there will be up on your website, healthhubstore.com, and people will be able to click on what was said on the radio and find out more on the products you mentioned. For the moment, Annalisa, thank you for that, and we'll chat to you next Monday. Take care. Bye bye. Annalisa there, uh, who runs the Health Hub, which is in Times Square in Banning just across the way from the cinema. And you can check her website, as I mentioned, healthhubstore.com. You can always listen back to everything that was said if you just go to the podcast section of c103.ie. That's it for us today. Tomorrow on the show, I see a text in about communions in the classroom. Should communions be taken out of the classroom? Some priests feel they should. We'll discuss that on tomorrow's show. Also, the state of graveyards in Cork, the breaking news stories across today and Bosco yes Bosco joins me tomorrow from 10am Nick Richards next take care Hi this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA the future isn't scary not realizing its potential however could be Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.